Things get crazier every day. <laughs> Things may have gotten a little less crazy today. As we were discussing last hour, you have lefty mayors of big cities saying, all right, this is not protesting. This is crime. So uh, sanity pops up its head. Says, hey, you remember me? <laughs> so maybe there's hope. That's plus, what sanity sounds like. Uh, plus, well, it's it's beleaguered. It's hurting. It's weakened. <laughs> uh, the good news is the COVID's over, though. Uh, Putin announced they have a vaccine. Yes. They haven't tested it yet. Fantastic. Well, they tested it on like 100 people, including his daughter. Um, so uh, Putin, Putin <laughs> no, says they, didn't. they got a, a Russian <laughs> vaccine. So there you go. If you want to... It's uh, available at uh, Moscow near near you. Hey, and do we have what the band Smash Mouth said at the Sturgis concert yesterday? We should dig that up and play it for people. My band opened for Smash Mouth once. Oh, really? How about that? Fantastic. So you know these people. Oh, we're close. They had some strong words for the uh, the COVID-19 at their concert at Sturgis yesterday. Okay. Well, we'll have that for you coming up. Yeah, I, I do look to Smash Mouth for my medical uh, information <laughs> and analysis. So... Uh... And if they're not available, uh, offspring. There you go. Roughly same category, time period. Is that all right? Uh, rock of the uh, 90s? Yeah, the headline in the paper. Is that all right? The, Cream, what? Cre- Creed not available? Nah, they're busy? No, nah, they didn't pick up the phone. The headline in the story was Smash Mouth, not the smartest tool in the shed, which is a great headline if you're into their music at all. One of their great lines. Right, go. right. Hey, now, <laughs> you're not so much an all-star. The Trump administration... And Bill Barr and the Justice Department have harnessed the power of the FBI and the CIA to spy on the Biden uh, campaign. If that were the headline, there would be a a cancellation of all commercials. There would be wall-to-wall coverage. Don Lamont would be weeping openly on camera. Brian Williams would be stripped to the waist and carrying a machete in both hands. But because the story was that the Obama administration Justice Department had done those very things to spy on the Trump campaign, and then the incoming Trump administration uh, is getting no coverage. But oddly enough, uh, certain reporters of a more classical bent, like Matt Taibbi, are covering the story. And he unleashed yet another monster piece. This time, nobody hates Trump. Perhaps more than Matt Taibbi. He said horrific things about so Trump. So don't think it's some sort of, you know, whatever, right-wing Trumpist thing. Well, believe it or not, some people's lives don't revolve around pro-Trump or anti-Trump. Right. Including yeah. mine, frankly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but it centers on uh, this fellow by the name of Stephen Schrag, who was a doctoral candidate at Cambridge and worked for a guy by the name of Stephen Halper. Halper, as it turns out, is highly connected to the CIA and MI6 in Britain. Um, but we'll share with you some of the piece to make it clear what was going on. Um, Schrag says on May 19th, 2018, um, and he's talking about the, the, uh, the, the Carter Page thing, the, the stories about uh, possible Russian collusion and the rest of it, when it came out. On May 19th, 2018, this realization blindsided me in London as I was about to fly out from my wedding. The New York Times, NBC, and other sources had outed my Ph.D. supervisor, Stephen Halper, as a spy known to U.K.'s MI6 intelligence service as the Walrus. He's a big old boy. He's like 350 pounds. It didn't seem real. Could a former professor I once trusted as a mentor have betrayed his word, profession, and country to start these disasters? I'd move to England to pursue an academic career and leave D.C.'s politics behind. Uh, he, this guy is super acquainted with D.C. He testified in the 9-11 hearings and all sorts of stuff. But um, 
And I only to have my PhD supervisor throw me back into the most outrageous political firestorm I could imagine. As I started to piece together what happened over the next few months, I realized something. The stories that the New York Times, Washington Post, and others were pushing didn't add up. Many seemed planted to cover up or advance the agendas of several individuals whose tentacles secretly ran through these scandals and who each had long-standing ties to intelligence services like the FBI, CIA, and MI6. I call these individuals the Cambridge Four. Keep in mind that this guy was pursuing his Ph.D. at Cambridge under the tutelage of these professors, all of whom had connections to intelligence agencies. The more I dug up new pieces of this puzzle, the more I saw how these individual seemingly separate acts might fit together in an absurd picture of how these scandals really started. Armed with my first-hand knowledge and evidence, I quietly sought to help federal investigators uncover these scandals' mysteries. It wasn't my first rodeo. After witnessing the plane that hit the Pentagon on 9-11, I led all sorts of stuff with anti-terrorism, to summarize, and he he testified and, and he held some pretty high roles. This helped me keep a stiff upper lip when I was falsely accused in 2019 by the House Intelligence Committee's ranking Republican and others on television of being part of a secret anti-Trump cabal. As much as I wanted to defend myself, I knew our best shot of exposing the real forces behind these scandals was for me to remain publicly silent and not let those under investigation know that I knew or what I was willing to say. Yet a few weeks ago, I asked to speak to the DOJ investigator, lead investigator John Durham, to give his team a heads up. I would continue to offer help, but my time waiting for the government to act was over. Recently, I discovered and flagged for Durham disturbing recordings. One involved one of the Cambridge Four helper and raised serious questions about the origins of what had been called the kill shot against General Michael Flynn, Trump's first uh, national security advisor. On Jan 12, 2017, a felony leak about phone calls between the Russian ambassador and General Flynn was published by the Washington Post. I think we all remember that. This led to Flynn's downfall and reignited the Trump-Russia investigations, still tearing our nation apart. 48 hours before the leak was published, my former supervisor, Halper, eerily laid out what was about to happen to Flynn, something he had no independent reason to know. Halper described how Flynn's so-called enemies would... Make Flynn, quote, blow up. He's really effed. And he mentions, for four years, government officials have withheld key materials and blocked individuals like Halper from testifying about the real genesis of these scandals, uh, etc. And the remaining mysteries of Russiagate are too important to be turned into a game of political football or buried until after the election. Um, this is, he mentions, there's far too much to tell in a single article. In the next several weeks, I plan to reveal what I know, including the comedy of errors that led to a Cambridge Four member meeting and targeting the FBI's main surveillance excuse, Carter Page. Uh, the information, and then he goes into the fact that from day one, day one, everybody involved knew that the Steele dossier was a joke. Yeah, that's the, that's the part that is so important to me. Uh, and I, I hope they nail that down s- sometime. At, w- at what point in there, and it seems like from the beginning, Comey and everybody else knew it was completely fake. It's just a, it was a tool to use to to spy on a president. Exactly. Exactly. And then... And that should be outed, because you can't have that in the United States. W- w- well, right. Yeah, they knew that the... The Steele dossier contained no first-hand reporting whatsoever, no second-hand reporting. It was rumors and barroom talk and speculation. And again, everybody knew it from the beginning. So when things started to look a little funky and weak, 
And, for instance, the higher-ups at the FBI knew, wow, we've been really going hardcore on this, and there's nothing here. They strategically leaked those articles he was talking about in the New York Times and the Washington Post that sounded just devastating. So what was the Cambridge Four's goal? They they had uh, those they liked and those they didn't like. They just it was a question of power and who was in power, mm. as far as I can tell. And again, it's this is very long and it's part one of many. I just wonder if it's a book. I was just trying to figure out if he's the Cambridge Five is a famous spy group. That's where he comes up with that name, right? Yeah. And I didn't know if he's trying to suggest that they're Russian operatives or whatever. No, that's actually not clear to me what their what their specific motives are. Um. There is a fair amount of, uh, I mean, like this, after a 20-something Cambridge administrative official smugly told me, there's no way Trump can win, uh, and, and, and described, uh, trust me, you know, it was a lot like the insurance policy. It's reminiscent of that. Man, no matter what your politics are, Jonathan Turley, law professor, George Washington University calls this the story of the decade, and just can't understand why he can't get the media interested in it. No matter your political stripe, you should be interested in this because if 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 um if there are powerful people that can stop someone from becoming president, someday that will be your guy or woman mm-hmm. that you want to become president. That maybe the FBI stops because they think you're too far left. Um, you don't want that. That's not the way it's supposed to work. Yeah. Listen to this. Perhaps nothing better illustrates the Cambridge Four's roles, or is more urgent given Flynn's legal hearing, than the takedown of Trump's national security advisor. Starting in 2016, Halper made odd requests for me to brief him and others on Trump's team. He even had me research Trump, allegedly as part of my thesis work, even though my thesis was focused on past, not present, presidents. In these discussions, I stressed that Flynn was indispensable. He was perhaps the only campaign advisor who both had Trump's personal trust and the deep intelligence experience necessary to expose hidden problems in the intelligence community. At one point, I even recall telling Halper that taking Flynn out would be like beheading Trump's team. I had no idea I had been unintentionally aiding, aspiring, preparing a guillotine, and helping Flynn lead Flynn to exactly such beheading. Uh, the suggestion being, now it's coming together in my head, that there were times that Trump went overboard, to my mind, in criticizing the intelligence uh, agencies mm-hmm. and community. And they were very angry and very anxious to prevent him from becoming president, or if he became president, discrediting him. So I think the Cambridge Four, that was their main motivation. But this guy, uh, Schrag, is ready to blow the whistle on everybody, and he has recordings, and he's connecting the dots. Well, they are meeting as we speak to try to determine whether or not there is going to be a college football season this year, which is a tremendous amount of money and entertainment and cheerleaders and beer and everything that goes with college football. Mm. Cheerleaders Uh, and beer. I would have never believed back in March when they canceled March Madness and college basketball that college football would be canceled in the fall didn't even think that was on the table as a possibility. Some coaches who, granted, have a vested interest in football are are pretty upset about it, and the arguments they make are pretty good. Oh, really? I haven't heard it. Yeah, yeah, so we'll get to that. Cool. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and 
Getty Show. That is unfortunate that you had to hear that, but that's the lead singer of Smash Mouth at the big uh, concert in Sturgis yesterday, the motorcycle rally in South Dakota, at the Buffalo Chip Campground where I stayed, uh, up on stage saying, blank that COVID S. Yeah! Huh? That's right! And by the way, I am ready to rock! (laughs) Um, so... The NHL and the NBA went with the policy of, well, we're going to be in a bubble. And so far, both leagues, with thousands and thousands and thousands of tests, nobody's come up with uh, having the COVID yet Wow! in the NHL. seven hmm. seven seven thousand tests, zero positive results doing the bubble thing. Um, Major League Baseball, of course, didn't do the bubble thing, and they got uh, people getting the COVID enough that they've had to cancel quite a few games, and it's making a mess of things. Football's, Even though, as far as we know, nobody's actually sick sick. Right. Right? Correct. They just test positive for a virus that will come and go. Football, NFL, they're claiming they're going to have a season, but NCAA college football, uh, Big Ten announced yesterday that they were likely to not have a season, and then everybody got all frantic, and now every, all the, the, the conferences are meeting and trying to figure out what they're going to do. But right, seems right. like there's a decent chance they're going to cancel Division One college football which is a huge you know if you don't follow sports that's a big industry right there oh yeah monstrous and they just might not have it football is a different thing obviously than you play once a week and uh, the bubble thing just doesn't well you can't do bubble for college kids anyway right yeah yeah well and you spend the entire game sweating and breathing spitting and the rest on each other i mean the wrapped up like you're in love. I mean, just expending enormous amounts of effort and breath and the rest of it. So uh, if anybody has it, you're going to swap it around. But again, and thinking people understand this, a case is not a tragedy. Having it is not a tragedy. Getting really sick is awful, and dying is terrible. It's a tragedy. But a bunch of healthy people are going to be fine anyway. Why are we so upset? Because they might bring it home to Granny. Keep them away from Granny. So what do uh, some college coaches say about the importance of playing? Yeah, there we go. Uh, That's a good cue. Broadcast professionals. I remember. Uh, Let's see. Well, you got the... It's a hobby, really. Oh, there it is. (laughs) Uh, Here's Scott Frost, the head coach of the vaunted Nebraska Cornhuskers in Clip 15. We feel, and I feel 100% certain, that the safest place for our players in regards to coronavirus is right here where there's structure, where there's testing, where there's medical supervision, where they have motivation to make smart decisions to stay away from the virus, because if they don't, they're going to lose what they love and lose their opportunity to play football. That is a really good argument. Mm. Excellent. Scott Satterfield runs the Louisville uh, football program. Just play 16-17. We had players this morning crying in our, in our, in our meetings. They're crying because they want to play. Coach, we've done everything we're supposed to do. What, what's this talk about these leagues? You know, what's that going to do to us? And, and we're playing with these, with these 18 to 22 year olds' minds by, by some of these leagues are, are doing this thing, this, this yo yo. This is what we're going to do one day. And then two days later, we're, oh, we're going to do this right here. I mean, that's not leadership. And nobody's talking about having people in the stands, right? So it's just Correct. the players. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, nobody's even discussing it. Playing the games for the television. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, is there any doubt in your mind if you know SEC football were to happen this weekend and they were they fans were allowed that it would just be a hundred thousand people in there, like in these giant college football towns? Like it's just so much a part of those areas. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't. so. What are you saying? That people will like rush the stadium and no, I'm, I'm just occupy saying it, it? it. Yeah, I'm saying it, were it allowed, mm-hmm. I don't think people would hesitate. Were were me, I'm hesitating to go to a comedy club with 50 people. Right. I feel like these people would just uh, the college football is just so oh, yeah, entrenched in their lives. It'd be packed. If you've ever yeah. really the Nebraska coach there, if you've ever been in Lincoln, Nebraska on a Saturday in the fall, it's freaking crazy. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd have no problem. I just I wonder if you had games. So the bars are closed. So you're not allowed in the stadium. But, man, the, the house party situation would be insane. There'd be people everywhere. Yeah, probably. Watching on TV. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. But if you only get to play four years of something you've been cared about more than anything else your whole life, and mm. one of those years is going to be wiped out, yeah, you probably would be crying. Yep. Yep. It's rough. And it's based on... I don't know, rapidly changing and not very reliable philosophies and and decisions being made. It's frustrating. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It looks like they're just about going to be topping records, hopefully soon. Excuse me? So in the middle of the president's press conference yesterday, Secret Service comes up and whispers in his ear, and off they go. And we find out later, and he comes back, Trump explains it, there was a maniac out there with a gun, and they uh, they took him down, and everything's fine, and... And he went back and resumed the uh, the briefing. Yeah, I was tweeting last night. They've uh, Fox News has got to stop running those briefings. I mean, if anything significant happens, go ahead and package it up and bring it to us later. But bumping special report with Brett Baer. I mean, because there's often a bunch of dopey reporters asking the president stuff that you know we already know, or it's a, a very left leaning question, or or the answer the question's mundane and the answer is equally mundane, or whatever. It's just it's not very pithy. No, it's a disservice to uh, to viewers if you want to inform them. Right, you're bumping the best solid serious news show, you know, aired. Anyway. Um, oh, coming up, uh, the chief of police in Seattle has resigned. There is a serious rift between uh, government and police in major American cities, including Los Angeles. Story just breaking this morning. Um, and at the same time, a couple of way left mayors have stood up and said, Hey, this isn't protesting. This is lawlessness. This is, this is not good. So hello. Welcome to the party. But some, so some good and some bad. Wasn't that kind of interesting though? That so there's a gunman out on the street near the White House and the president's deep in the White House doing a press conference thing, but they, that's not safe enough. They decide to get him to a safer spot. At least until they know what's going on. Yeah. That's interesting. If that's gunman number one of 75 right. who are about to descend on the White House, you'd probably right. want I wonder how often that happens, though. That might happen a lot more than we realize because, you know, he's not always in a press conference. Right. Um, we be sitting there in the Oval Office sometimes, and they say, sorry, you got to go downstairs again. Because there are lunatics that jump the fence or, you know, have a gun outside the fence or whatever 
every now and then, always have right. been. Uh, you remember that guy famously made it all the way to the staircase inside? Oh, yeah. when I, oh, yeah. I think Barack Obama was still president, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Ran in the door. Oh, jeez. Yeah. It was Obama! Right? Like he just opened it, and yeah. oh, oh, my goodness. Ran in. He, he clearly didn't have a plan beyond that. That also is under, so shocking. Also under Obama, you had the, that wackadoo couple that showed up to the party and just walked in and hung out at the party for a while and got their picture taken with the president. Oh, yeah. They, they were, were supposed to be there. That's right. They were a, a really interesting story. I they remember, were like trying to get a reality show going or something. Right. But, and the little, <laughs> didn't the little gal, wasn't she like the girlfriend of Neil Shaw on a journey? I don't remember that. Yes, but, she was. Um, but uh, Insanity. Regardless, they shouldn't have been Don't able to get Don't stop believing. In. You can get into the White House. <laughs> I think today's the one-year anniversary of uh, Jeffrey Epstein hanging himself or Hillary Clinton garroting him. I don't remember which happened. I believe it's the latter, but go on. But he passed a year ago. And Ghislaine Maxwell's lawyers are arguing she is getting too much um, uh, uh, she, she's not getting a chance to live any sort of decent life in there, as she is innocent until proven guilty, uh, because they're afraid she'll kill herself or somebody will get to her or whatever the problem is. Or or she'll flee the country if they let her loose. And they want, Well, they're not going to let her loose, but um, they, they want her to be in the general population more than a... Because they got her in a fishbowl with 50 cameras on her and 12 guards and all that sort all right. of thing right now. Here's a question for you. Cartoons didn't create the ball and chain. That was representing something that happened in real life. Right. Fit her with the ankle chain and the big, heavy ball. And then just let her be. Right, exactly. Tell you think you can get on an airplane nobody notices that? You know? Or, 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 or run for it? <laughs> you think the people with a, with a pedophile island are taking Southwest General Fair when uh, they're fleeing the country? They uh, probably have private plane owners that... Would, would look, they wouldn't charge an extra carry-on fee for the ball and chain. All right, so you stick a radio transmitter right in the middle of that big, heavy ball. I don't know how that works exactly. How do you drill into there or something? But. One more thing before I get to what I was going to talk about, which is important. How about an iron mask? <laughs> put, her, put her in an iron mask. I like this. Uh, there's a picture. There was a couple of uh, people in Canada at Cherry Beach Went nutso with a chainsaw attack. Ah, These two guys. Lord. What? Two shirtless dudes with chainsaws. This is grim. People. Anyway, the, the caption on it on the Twitter was, look at these maniacs. They're not even wearing masks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, a little lighthearted reporting there. That's so inappropriate. Uh, end of last month, which is now a week ago, uh, the government spigot of money got turned off. If you're getting government checks and you're wondering, are they going to get this fixed before my next run is due? Because they better. Uh, well, we'll update you on where we are on that situation as they're still wrangling between the Republicans and Democrats. We'll tell you about that in a second. But I uh, I didn't pay that much attention to home security ads before we started doing Simply Safe. But since we do Simply Safe ads, they, they catch my attention. And I've noticed one deficiency other ads have is they don't get to say we've got the best overall home security, according to U.S. News and World Report. Oh, sure. They've got a home security system. But it's not the best, yeah, like Simply Safe. By a trusted magazine that looked at all the different ones out there and right. said, no, the best one is Simply Safe. But it gets better than that. No messy, ins- expensive install with Simply Safe. You can do it yourself in minutes. It's effortless. I've done it. Um, also, no long contracts. It's affordable. Starts at less than 15 It uh, starts at $15 a month. And you can opt out anytime you want. You'll get free shipping, 60-day risk-free trial. There's nothing to lose. Try Simply Safe today. You got that doorbell camera. You got to have one of those. 
SimplySafe.com slash Armstrong. SimplySafe.com slash Armstrong. So Republicans and Democrats were not able to come to an agreement on another round of stimulus last week. And so the president on Friday signed some executive orders, Obama style, allowing uh, some things to happen. And whether or not they hold up in court or anybody will challenge them, I don't know. That's for another day. But that's where we are right now. Um, So some people were concerned that there was a big danger that if the president signs these executive orders, it takes the pressure off Congress to do anything because they were under quite a bit of pressure. You know, they got constituents, Republicans and Democrats all across the country. Checks have stopped for businesses, individuals or whatever. What are we supposed to do? And so they're under a lot of pressure to come up with an agreement. Well, Trump signs these executive orders and maybe now they're under pre- not under pressure. Where according to the dispatch, that has come to pass. After a day back at the Capitol, it's starting to look like that danger is here and real, that there's just not the pressure anymore for them to sit down and talk and come up with an agreement. It's exactly the same as when Barack Obama, you know, signed executive orders about immigration. Right. They didn't couldn't get their act together, and then they don't get their act together. Mm-hmm. They just don't do anything because it's better to go back home to your district and, and blame the other side than to actually accomplish anything. Very frustrating. For the record, I'm still against the overuse of executive orders. Sure. Oh, we a, have a system. Oh, it's a terrible way to run government. Yeah, it is. It's a terrible way to run government. But I think Barack Obama with uh, with immigration and Trump this past week with the stimulus thought, well, if you guys just aren't going to do what Congress has always done, I guess I'll do it. Right. I'll harness the enormous administrative state and find some rule in there that says I can do this. Reading from the dispatch, at least publicly, everyone in Washington continues to insist a deal is of paramount importance, but leaders spent Monday (laughs) insisting the next move had to come from somebody else. Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said the Republicans want to agree, but the Democrats said it's our way of the highway. Uh, Chuck Schumer said, rather than compromise, our Republican counterparts said take a hike. Um, So, you know, they're both claiming... Well, we're we're good and honest, but the other side doesn't want to do anything. Part of the problem is they're more than a trillion dollars apart on what the package should be. Whoops. A trillion. Yeah. I mean, you're not even. It's like your wife wants to get a a, a, a vacation home, and you want to buy a herd of elephants, <laughs> and you can't it's seem a to come great to an deal agreement. Like that. That's right. <laughs> Well, and the, Where do you start the compromise on that? The Republicans are saying we're more than happy to uh, to sit down and negotiate more if the Democrats have a new proposal. And the de- Democrats are saying, well, we're not going to talk unless the Republicans are willing to raise their top number. So they're not even negotiating at this point. This my way or the highway effort at negotiation. Uh, but the major, major ideological lines in the sand are the issue of expanded unemployment... Uh, Democrats are unwilling to go lower than the $600 per week, a number that contains ideological significance for them because it comes out to roughly $15 an hour, which is the federal minimum wage they've been fighting for forever. So they're hoping to get people, what would it end up being, six months then of basically being paid $15 an hour. And you try to get that grandfathered in. And we right. talked a lot about that. Once We're going to cut people's pay by sending them back to work? Right. How can that be? Right, right. exactly. They're positioning themselves. Right. Once you, once you give a uh, an entitlement, it usually doesn't go away. So that's what they're trying to do. Most Republicans, for their part, believe continuing to send out checks that large is, doing to, uh, is harming our economic recovery because 
as we've talked about a lot, it puts people in a situation where continuing not to work actually pays better than re-entering the labor force. And last week, the stats on that were two-thirds of people are making more money than if they went back to work. Well, there's no way to unknot that. Right. If you don't turn off the money spigot, people are not going to go back to work if they can make more. Two-thirds of the people can make more staying home. Right. For the most part. Not everybody, but a lot of people. Right. Well, some are making just a teeny tiny bit more. Some are making a significant amount more. Well, how much more would you have to make? The difference between going in and listening to your boss tell you what to do and doing nothing. Mm, I'm good at doing nothing. As our buddy who fishes a lot says, the lake has never been busier in the decades he's been going to the lake. Yeah, well, try to make a tea time, you know, at a golf course. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, That's pretty busy, amazing. Busy as can be. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So the police chief of Seattle has quit. For pretty darn good reason. You have the cops in Los Angeles telling the mayor, you're on your own. Serious rifts between police and, and mayors in left-leaning cities, plus a bit of sanity from some mayors. It's a little good and bad. A little uh, uh, sweet and sour. Uh, coming up next. Armstrong and Getty. Don't say a word. The last one still stinging. Back on my Why would a deer walking around in the backyard to a Phil Collins song be so funny? <laughs> I'll send that to our producer Hanson and put that on our website. Oh, you saw it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. is funny. <laughs> that is funny. Well, let's put that on our website. Website's always good, armstrongandgetty.com. A big old buck eating our roses yesterday out in our front yard, sitting there, big, big old rack on him. Just shooting really? Oh, I shot him, field dressed him, barbecued the meat, used his bones to build a structure. My people use every bit of the deer out of respect. Made his pants out of his pelt. <laughs> right. Center. <clears throat> So, interesting uh, yin and yang going on in some big American cities. Uh, Number one, and we talked about this a little earlier and will again later, that uh, folks like uh, Lori Lightfoot, uh, the far-left mayor of Chicago, Ted Wheeler, the uh, the socialist, and he would tell you that, mayor of uh, Portland, are all saying, all right, this is not demonstrating. This is crime. Y'all have to stop, which is a breakthrough. It's good. And even nakedly progressive radio, NPR, is reporting that the what things that people do during protests matter, and you should call it by the right name. We're like, thank you. Welcome to the party. We've been saying that for months. But on the other hand, you have a couple of cities where things are going in kind of a sideways direction. Now, Seattle, which is, to me, neck and neck with San Francisco in what is America's wackiest city. Most dysfunctional, unicornian, would-be communist wonderland. And Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best, who has been with the department, I believe, for 24 years? I have that here somewhere. Uh, She's been a part of Seattle and Seattle policing forever. She's a strong, proud black woman. Well, she has just been forced to resign after the city council voted to slash the police department budget by roughly $4 million, getting rid of 100 or so cops, and also cut, 100 her, cops. And also cut her pay 
and those of some of her deputies, her chief, her, her chief, uh, you know, right under the chief level people, her chief non-chiefs, her assistant chief chief. Because they're fiscal conservatives and they just want to save more money for the taxpayer? Uh, no. They've also banned use of tear gas, pepper spray, flashbangs. In other words, non-violent means of controlling violent crowds. So now the only alternative left is violence. So they've cut their pay. They've cut a bunch of cops. They eliminated the uh, the Department of the Police that deals with bums and junkies. And Carmen Best said, that's it. I'm out. And I assume, I was joking about the taxpayers can keep that money. I assume that money will be funneled into some various programs that will do nothing. Yes. Yeah. The The only vote against was against it was the openly communist uh, board of supervisors uh, woman. What is her name? I can never remember her name. Um, it doesn't matter. But anyway, she's, she's an actual communist, and she said it didn't go far enough, but... So the uh, the black female chief of police has quit in Seattle, and they will be, uh, well, they'll probably have to promote from within because there is no sane human being anywhere in America who would take that job. But there's probably some, you know, assistant chief or whatever who's thinking, well, what the heck, I'll get it on my resume, I'll endure about a year of this bizarro uh, situation, then I'll resign myself. Meanwhile, in Los Angeles... The political battle between L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti and the police union has escalated with union leaders saying, we're not going to go to your party houses you're so mad about and disconnect their electricity because of the COVID. And, oh, my gosh, this relates to that. There's a terrible story in Washington, D.C. you didn't hear about. And Tucker Carlson was talking about it, and we will share that with you in a bit, where there was a mass shooting. Twenty-one people were shot. Twenty-one. You didn't hear about that. Isn't that odd? The mayor came out and said, listen, we can't have these gatherings. You're going to get the COVID. That was her takeaway. Bizarre. Anyway, Eric Garcetti said, we're going to shut down these party houses. We'll have the city shut off the water and power. The cops are going to show up and and, and they're going to bust you and the rest of it. And the police union has said... Uh, Mayor Garcetti wants to reimagine policing. He should send his civilian staff to turn off people's electricity and cut off their water. Let officers deal with the rise in shootings and killings in L.A. We need a leader and not a political contortionist. He wants to use police officers when it benefits him politically. Uh, Open defiance of the the mayor's programs. You're seeing that in New York City, too. I I left that one out. Bill de Blasio, the world's largest communist. (laughs) He is uh, openly uh, uh, denigrating the NYPD, has repeatedly. He's alienated the, the, the rank and file of the police department and the higher-ups, really, although they have to be semi-friendly with him because they work for him. But there is a huge rift growing between the NYPD and City Hall. This is not a good trend. No. And it is all far-left mayors who have this unicornian view of criminals and police, which is not to say... Police shouldn't constantly be reformed to make sure everybody's civil rights are protected. You're giving government employees guns. It ought to be very carefully policed, no pun intended. We 100% you know, support that notion here. But these far-left mayors hanging the cops out to dry over and over again, this will not end well. No, and it's probably going to be around for a while. This is a, this is a trend attitude that's going to be around for a while it it will take the reality of human nature 
a while to beat back these stupid attitudes. And a lot of people are going to get hurt in the meantime. Yeah, well, it could take people like Jason Whitlock, who's a black journalist. Um, he did this great piece on the leaked uh, George Floyd uh, body cameras that I'd like to spend more time on, but we're about out of time during this segment. But um, he says, uh, the NBA, the NFL, and Major League Baseball chose to drape themselves in Black Lives Matter symbols and view all negative encounters between black people and white people as examples of white supremacy. Life is far more complicated than the race baiting that gets retweeted and then liked over Twitter. Um, he calls the heads of the three big sports leagues the three stooges and said uh, they, uh, the heads of the three leagues, have been played and used by anarchists and communists who are using opportunists to promote an American race war. Their fear-driven leadership has turned America's great unifier, sports, into a racial divider. Oof. Yeah, it's good stuff. He's an eloquent man. Yeah. So, man, we got too much good stuff to squeeze in. But we also we'll, we'll got to talk about China, that uh, journalist slash media mogul who got arrested over the weekend. That's a big deal. Oh, got arrested yeah. in Hong Kong. All that stuff on the way. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty.